Hello, and welcome to the Conversations with Data podcast, where we bring you the most interesting discussions around data journalism. I'm your host, Tara Kelly, and today we'll be talking with Professor Diakopoulos, who is Assistant Professor in Communication Studies and Computer Science at Northwestern University, where he directs the Computational Journalism Lab. His research focuses on computational journalism, including aspects of automation and algorithms in news production. He is also author of the book, Automating the News, How Algorithms Are Rewriting the Media. From data mining for investigative journalism to automated content creation, Professor Diakopoulos explains to us how newsrooms are using AI to enhance the field and make journalists more productive. Let's take a listen to our conversation with him now. Welcome, Professor Diakopoulos, to Conversations with Data. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. Um, I just wanted you to tell us a bit about yourself and your background and how you became interested in AI and computational journalism in the first place. Yeah, so this kind of goes back to my days as a graduate student at the Georgia Institute of Technology. Um, I was uh, working on my PhD in computer science uh, studying uh, kind of a subfield um, related to human-computer interaction and started to get interested in uh, how that related to news information and journalism more broadly. Uh, so started making connections between computing, human-computer interaction, and, and news information. Um, and while at Georgia Tech, we sort of uh, developed this program in computational journalism. So uh, we taught a, a seminar on the topic, um, I think the first the first seminar was in 2007, I want to say, and then we also developed a conference on computation plus journalism um, that was held uh, for the first time in 2008, and that kind of kicked off this whole area of, of computational journalism. Uh, and from there, I sort of, um, you know, after I graduated uh, with my PhD in computer science, I kind of started moving uh, a little bit more and more towards journalism in my research and in my work. So. Uh, um, uh, after graduating, moved up to New York City and uh, was working uh, first at uh, Rutgers School of Communication and Information, doing computational journalism projects, and then uh, at the CUNY Graduate School of Journalism, Columbia Graduate School of Journalism, um, uh, and then uh, eventually got on the tenure track um, and uh, started uh, working my way up through the academic system. And for those of us who aren't very familiar with AI and algorithms, I mean, we see the headlines, but let's start with the basics. Like, how do you define these two things? I think a sort of straightforward way to define an algorithm is as a series of steps that's undertaken in order to solve some problem or to accomplish some uh, defined outcome. Um, you know, an easy example that I sometimes give uh, when I'm teaching is that uh, a recipe is an algorithm, right? A recipe defines a set of ingredients, it uh, defines a set of steps, uh, and how to combine uh, those ingredients across those steps in order to achieve that, uh, that delicious uh, dinner that you want to cook. Um, so that's sort of a, you know, a, 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 an easy way to understand an algorithm. Of course, they're uh, far more complicated complex algorithms uh, in computer science. And, um, you know, oftentimes what we're interested in computational journalism are the algorithms that are, are 
digital algorithms that run on computers and that allow us to scale up um, uh, information workflows or information recipes, if you will. Um, so, you know, how to structure the, the transformation of information uh, from data uh, up to make sense of that data, to visualize that data, and then also to, to publish um, that, that data. So one way to think of computational journalism is to think about, like, what are the algorithms for producing news information? Um, now, AI, on the other hand, is, is kind of a squishy term. Um, the meaning seems to change uh, over time, depending on who you're talking to. Uh, I think a fair definition of AI uh, is uh, a computer system that can perform a task that would typically require some level of human intelligence. Um, so the, the, the current wave of sort of hyped up AI technology is based on machine learning, uh, where a system essentially figures out how to accomplish some task uh, based on a bunch of data uh, that it's that it's fed, that it's been trained with. So if you think about something like um, you know, some, some people might be familiar with Trent uh, or another automated transcription service for um, transcribing interview material. Um, these types of algorithms are trained on hours and hours and hours of uh, recorded uh, audio together with um, manually typed transcripts. And the algorithm, based on those two types of data, figures out what's the mapping between uh, the, the sound that someone makes and the word that's, uh, that you would uh, use to transcribe that sound. Uh, and if you give the computer enough examples of that, then it can do a pretty good job of um, transcribing uh, a new piece of audio that you feed it. Right. Um, and in your new book, Automating the News, How Algorithms Are Rewriting the Media, you talk about the different ways that AI and automation are making their way into the newsroom. Can you uh, broadly talk about how you're seeing that happen? Like any, any examples? Yeah, I mean, there's just so many um, facets uh, of journalism um, which are touched by AI and, and automation and algorithms now. Um, I mean, certainly, uh, you know, these technologies are used uh, for, for data mining, for finding interesting new uh, stories from large data sets. Um, you know, we can use these technologies to automatically generate content like written articles or videos. Uh, you know, we can um, implement things like social bots or chat bots where people can interact and chat with um, uh, AI systems to get information um, uh, and so on. And so, um, you know, some of the, some of the areas that I'm pretty excited about and, and where I've seen AI effectively used um, in journalism is things like, you know, scaling up, increasing the scale and the scope to some extent, and also the quality of investigative journalism. So there's, there's plenty of examples now of investigative journalists using um, machine learning approaches to say, define a pattern in a data set that they're interested in or that they think is newsworthy, and then use that machine learned model to find other patterns in the data that are similar to the one that they want to find. And that, that helps you just cover a lot more ground in terms of the stories that you're able to find and the, again, sort of the, the scale and the scope of the investigation. Um, so I like this example from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution from a few years ago, uh, where they use this approach to um, 
uh, to try to find doctors uh, who uh, who uh, had been accused or um, uh, or, or even uh, uh, found to be guilty of um, uh, of, uh, of uh, sexual uh, misconduct in their practice, uh, but who were still practicing uh, medical doctors. And so once the journalists kind of knew that there was this pattern, that there were these types of doctors out there, they could look for that pattern in other documents uh, that they had scraped online. And so they were able to, you know, take what might have been a small kind of maybe regional story or state level story and turn it into a national level investigation. So, um, so we definitely see the power of AI in those types of contexts. I mean, you can also see AI having a lot of value for things like reducing repetitive work. So, um, you know, we've seen like the New York Times and the Washington Post use um, machine learned uh, AI technologies for helping with content moderation. So, you know, they, they get thousands of or millions of comments um, per month uh, submitted to their websites uh, and um, AI sort of helps uh, filter through some of that stuff and uh, potentially weed out um, comments that are uh, you know, inappropriate or, or, um, or, you know, bring down the level of the discourse on the site. Um, another area where we see AI uh, having some value in journalism is just increasing speed. So, you know, this uh, can be really valuable for particular beats like breaking news or like finance where Bloomberg, you know, really is competing on the basis of the speed at which they can get financial information out to their clients who are using the, the terminal. And of course, you know, uh, automation is, is, is uh, able to, to um, uh, get the information out there um, faster uh, to, to people who need it. Um, we also see AI and automated content production being used to some extent to increase the breadth of coverage. So um, if you think about something like an election, uh, you know, where we have a lot of data about, you know, say, um, as, as election returns coming in, we have a lot of data about um, how candidates are performing in different places. Um, and, you know, maybe without automation, you know, maybe we only have enough reporters to like write stories on like the top 10 uh, races that are, that are uh, potentially most interesting. Uh, but with automation, uh, given that we have all the data available with automation, we can essentially cover every race. You know, we can have a story that's written that provides like a base level of, of information uh, about um, the election returns as they come into the system. Um, so that's, that's definitely a value. And I think um, of great civic value to have um, that type of information available for everyone, not just in some subset of races that, um, uh, that you can cover. Um, I mean, I think there's, you know, there's other interesting opportunities kind of coming down the pike in terms of use of AI for chat bots and, and bots more generally, you know, ways to engage people on social media, ways to take structured information and data and kind of translate it into more um, kind of engaging uh, snippets of content that people can, can converse with and interact with. Um, and then I sort of, I guess the last area that I would say is relates to more of the, the optimization of content. So, you know, given all of the content produced uh, on a daily basis from a large newsroom, you might want to use algorithms to figure out how to optimize, you know, click-through rates or 
uh, distribution patterns um, around that content. So really sort of getting as much audience value as you can uh, out of that content. And, and algorithms can certainly help, um, you know, determine uh, where to post things, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, they can determine like which headline, it, you know, is, is producing uh, more engagement. Uh, and so it can really, these uh, techniques can really sort of amplify uh, the amount of attention and traffic that content can receive online. And um, say I was an editor in a newsroom and I wanted to optimize my content. What exactly would that entail? Who would I need to hire? What skills would I need to, to have myself as well to work with someone to develop that? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a variety of approaches, um, you know, in terms of like headline optimization, you know, these are tools that are built into some of the sort of industry standard tools. So like, Chartbeat um, has headline testing built into its analytic system. Uh, and it's, you know, sort of the kind of thing where you can load up your homepage and click on a headline and click a button and then um, add a different headline or add a couple of different headlines that you want to test. Uh, and then the system will essentially, uh, you can think of it as kind of an almost random process. The system will show different headlines to different people. Uh, and it will figure out which headline is um, producing the best uh, sort of click-through rate. And once it, once the algorithm converges and it's figured out the optimum headline, uh, based on the uh, headlines that the uh, headline writer has written for it to test, uh, then you can sort of um, kind of lock that one in, and it will that will be the the, the headline for the rest of the day. Um, so. So there are tools to do some of these things. And, you know, there's certainly other ways to think about optimizing content. Um, you know, some organizations are thinking about, you know, uh, how do you optimize for subscription um, uh, conversion? Uh, so it's not just about optimizing for, for click-through rates. It could also be, you know, what content do I want to show to this person to try to get them to convert uh, as a subscriber next? Um, these type of, types of things. Or um, another example I could give is like uh, the New York Times actually does some um, location-based optimization on its homepage. So one of the subsections that you'll see on the, on the New York Times homepage is called uh, the editor's pick section. And uh, essentially what that is, is um, um, it, it, it's actually localized. So like your version of editor's picks uh, in Ireland might be different than my versions of, of my version of editor's picks in uh, in Washington, where I am now, or my version of editor's picks in Chicago, where I am um, when I'm at uh, at school at Northwestern. Um, and so the algorithm will kind of figure out, well, of the whole universe of editor's picks, which subset of that universe of articles is most interesting or do we think would be most interesting to people in different locations? And so the algorithm will, will do that and will essentially um, figure out which articles are more interesting to different people. And then it's going to uh, um, uh, select those articles for those people and uh, lead to greater click-through rates um, uh, in that section. Um, so, uh, so that's another example of a sort of, you know, concrete optimization strategy. Um, uh, certainly there's, you know, there's other techniques that people are trying, um, you know, uh, widgets that recommend content in different ways. Um, there are some, some 
news organizations in Scandinavia, um, Shipstead, uh, for one that I that I know of, that are actually running their entire homepage um, algorithmically. So um, you know they're they're sort of um, turning the the decisions over to an algorithm in terms of uh, where an article is placed on the page and how long it's visible in a certain location on the page, and you know, seen as a whole, this will tend to optimize attention patterns. So when an article that was published this morning starts to get fewer and fewer clicks because it's not as newsy anymore, then the algorithms will sort of learn that and learn to demote it on the page. So it eventually kind of uh, fades away. Um, one of the interesting things there is like how to incorporate um, human editorial judgment into these algorithms right? So you don't want to just turn over all of your publishing to, to an algorithm um, because you might end up with things like um, uh, sections that are driven entirely by popularity or click patterns. And, and that would tend to conflict with um, editorial standards uh, in some cases. Um, so really what you need is you need um, kind of expert editors to add metadata uh, to articles. And then the algorithm can take that metadata into account as it's choosing where on the page to put that article. Uh, so metadata might be like a, a human editor might specify like how long this article should be um, considered newsworthy by the system. Is it is it just news today or is it news this whole week or is it kind of evergreen and it could be news uh, a month from now as well. Um, uh, so things like that, uh, editorial decisions get um, filtered into the system as well. Interesting. Um, and I know you gave a talk in June, last June, actually, about a year ago, where you said, um, you know, AI, in a way, is the new medium. And it's, you know, one for journalists to think of themselves maybe as AI designers. Is, is this what you're referring to? Or is that something different? Yeah, I mean, it's... It's slightly different. I mean, I think what I'm getting, what I was getting at in that talk is mostly this idea that I want journalists to realize that they need to be the masters of their own destiny uh, in terms of um, uh, AI technologies that they use. So uh, AI technologies, as I've said, you know, they can embed editorial values. Um, and so if you're not designing those AI systems yourself, like as part of your news organization, then you might be buying that AI technology from uh, a vendor, from a third party. And that vendor or third party, whether it's, uh, you know, I don't know, a, a startup or, or Google or some other large organization, they may have other goals with that technology that, are, that don't necessarily align with um, the, the editorial goals of your newsroom. And so I think the, the easiest path to sort of incorporating your own editorial objectives and goals into these systems is to think of yourself as an AI designer, right? Like to, to know how you need to set these systems up, to know how you need to incorporate your editorial values into these systems um, and, uh, and um, therefore to be able to kind of dictate uh, the direction in which you're um, your editorial decisions are, are, are shaped. 
And also, I wanted to talk a bit about hybridization. I know that's something that you mentioned in your book, and actually in many of your talks, you know, and automating the news and elsewhere. Like, what exactly do you mean by that? And um, what does that mean for journalists and AI in the newsroom? Yeah, so hybridization is this idea that, um, so people are good at some things. AI is good at some other set of things. And hybridization is this idea that you need to find the right balance between AI and human effort in uh, news production. So how do you design a workflow or a task that gets all of the advantages of AI, but minimizes any downsides of AI, while also sort of putting people in the driver's seat, right, and allowing them to excel in what they're good at. So, for instance, um, you know, people people are really good at um, uh, what you might call complex communication. So, asking difficult questions, uh, finding the right people to talk to. Um, you know, pushing back on someone who you think might be lying to you. So there's all kinds of sort of, um, uh, uh, I, guess, I guess you could call them uh, communication skills um, uh, that journalists practice that AI is never really going to uh, master. Um, and so, um, but there are other things that AI is really good at, like, um, you know, searching for patterns of data, um, uh, doing repetitive tasks like transcribing things, and so in terms of like coming up with a with a, an optimal workflow, you want to figure out what are the pieces of that news production task that I want to hand over to AI, and which are the pieces that we sort of, you know, we, we need a person involved in that because if we don't include a person in, in in that process, then the AI will mess it up or it'll make an error or it won't have good ethical judgment about, you know, what to do in different kind of nuanced situations. Um, so that's really what I mean by hybridization is just that blending of, of effort uh, into these uh, hybrid workflows. And I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about this, um, you know, what you're doing at Northwestern. I run a research lab, the Computational Journalism Lab uh, at Northwestern, and we're actually based in uh, the School of Communication. So I'm not based in, in the Medill School of Journalism. I'm, I'm over in the School of Communication and I'm cross-appointed in computer science. So that kind of gives me an interesting perspective on this insofar as I kind of straddle communication and computer science and journalism. Um, but the, the type of teaching I do uh, is more on the, on the comm and um, computer science side of things. Now I have... You know, in my lab, um, I work with a number of graduate students, some of whom come from journalism backgrounds who are interested in moving more into data science and how to apply uh, data and, and AI um, in journalistic contexts. So certainly training people um, in, in that context um, to get their PhDs and to do research in the field of computational journalism. I do also teach, um, or I have taught in the past a a cross-enrolled um, class that is hosted over in Medill um, uh, School of Journalism. And it's sort of co-taught between faculty in computer science, uh, of which I, I am one, and faculty in Medill, so sort of core journalism faculty. Um, and uh, uh, in that class, we kind of bring students together 
from journalism, communication studies, and computer science to work on um, projects, basically, uh, you know, quarter long. So we're on the quarter system at Northwestern. So these are like 10 week long projects where students will come in on these multidisciplinary teams to um, tackle some interesting intersectional project idea. So uh, the last time I taught this, you know, I had some students working on a news personalization project. So um, figuring out, um, you know, how do you use templates to generate data-driven stories that are localized to uh, different um, uh, counties uh, in the U.S. And, you know, so you have the journalism students on one, one side who are like working on um, understanding the data and writing templates. And then you have computer science students on the other side who are working on kind of Im implementing those templates and, and actually getting it to localize based on, you know, where your browser is that's visiting um, this page. Uh, and, you know, at the end of that, we, we like to have um, prototypes that the students have built where they've kind of demonstrated that they can uh, put together all the pieces to, to, uh, to create uh, a new experience uh, in this case. And so, you know, this is sort of like playing the long, the long game in terms of training, um, you know, teaching students to work in interdisciplinary teams, teaching them um, some skills on sort of both sides of the fence, both editorial skills and the technical skills, data skills. Um, and, you know, they've been doing this for years uh, over Medill uh, as part of the, the night lab there. And I got to say, I mean, you know, there a lot of students have come out of that program and they do really well in the industry because I, I think because they, they kind of have, they've seen both sides of that coin um, and they sort of understand the thinking that's necessary in, in order to build a new technology uh, and they understand how to tie editorial thinking together uh, into technical thinking. Um, and what are some of the concerns, you know, you think journalists should be aware of if they are going to implement uh, responsible and ethical adoption of AI into the newsroom? Yeah, that's a really important question. Um, I mean, I think, uh, I think that the main issue that journalists need to be aware of is sort of the, the issue of quantification. So, you know, everything related to automated AI-driven journalism rests on the assumption that everything has been quantified, that we've turned everything into data. Because if it's not datafied, then the algorithm can't do anything with it. Um, so, you know, the question of, is then, well, you know, what is the data missing? You know, what are you, what are you measuring or not measuring uh, in the data? What context is missing? Uh, what facets of this complex phenomenon are, are, are left out? Or uh, is the uh, data biased in some kind of uh, systematic way? You know, are, are, we, are we missing certain facets of data? Uh, are we missing certain rows of data? Um, uh, and, you know, I think we just need to be very careful when we're training machine learning systems to be aware of how the data we're using encodes bias from the world. Um, you know, I mean, I think journalism could end up doing a tremendous disservice to the world if it were to build models that reflected uh, a biased version of the world, which is not um, conducive to sort of, you know, moving society uh, 
into a more kind of equitable, just uh, version of itself. You know, we you know we don't want to use models that that have tons of uh, racial bias built into them or, or gender bias built into them. Uh, we want to be kind of aware of these things um, as we're implementing AI, so that we can ensure that these types of things are are um, built um, uh, fairly uh, and used fairly. Um, I mean, I think another another aspect of ethics. Um, that's really important is uh, just to think about how transparency applies to AI and algorithms. So, you know, as a journalist, are we being honest with our audiences about how we're using AI or about how we're using data, about how we're using their data, um, or about how we're using AI at all? Like, I don't know, the New York, you know, the New York Times is using some uh, localization on its homepage for the editor's picks, as I mentioned before. Um, shouldn't we expect that they kind of convey that to the audience in some way so that they know that this section is adapted for them, you know, and localized for them? Um, so, I mean, I think there's these kind of issues of transparency that uh, we haven't, I don't think we've really sorted out yet uh, in terms of how to do it well but I think they're really important to think about. Um, you know, another area where this comes up is um, in personalized content, right? So, um, you know, if we're personalizing an article for, for you based on uh, your, let's say your, your gender, um, you know, how do you disclose that? Um, you know, is there some version of the article uh, which isn't personalized that, that people can see? Uh, so, I think, I think it's important to think about transparency or even just conveying to people at all that automation is being used. Like, um, you know, what's the byline policy for an automated article? You know, should newsrooms be required to disclose to readers that, oh yeah, this article, you know, is based on such and such data and it was automatically generated, you know, using this software program. Um, uh, you know, I think I think that kind of thing uh, might be reasonable to expect, um, but you know, ethics is a is a social process. So uh, I I feel like we're still early enough in the deployment and use of AI in journalism that maybe we haven't yet fully had all of the conversations that we should have about the ethical use of AI in journalism. Um, but I sort of expect that to happen over the next three to five years, where we'll have those conversations more and more. And as we have those conversations, we'll start to sort of congeal around certain expectations for the use of, of technology uh, in the context of journalism. But there's still a lot of education that needs to happen. Yeah, and I think news organizations could um, get in front of that. You know, they could be uh, strong proponents for educating the public about AI just by demonstrating how they themselves are using it and, and integrating those educational moments into their news products um, to show people uh, how they operate. Um, even just knowing like how your data is being used uh, by a news site, I think, you know, would, would sort of um, be a step in the right direction. But there's, I think there's a lot of opportunity in this space for, for news orgs. But I just wonder when you are doing your research and you're talking to these different news organizations like Bloomberg or whoever else you're talking to, I mean, who do they have working on this? Are they 
computer computer scientists like yourself? Or are they kind of a hybrid? Are they are they editorially minded programmers? Like that's what I'm curious about. Yeah, I mean, I think there it's sort of all of the above. You have, um, you know, if you imagine sort of a spectrum of people from super technical kind of computer scientists to um, words people, journalists who, you know, uh, like to use uh, uh, typewriters, um, you know, there, there's a broad uh, array of people in between. And I think... Um, I think you find people across that spectrum. I mean, I certainly, I think, I think you mostly find people kind of in the middle-ish between that spectrum, although maybe a little bit more to one side or a little bit more to the other side. So, you know, you find people who maybe um, have some technical training or degree or a technical degree, but have spent, you know, uh, three years working in a newsroom. And so they have a, a strong feel for the editorial side of, of how news is produced. Or you have people who come from an editorial background and have worked for, you know, five years in a newsroom, uh, but, you know, have been doing uh, data journalism and have, you know, sort of slowly migrated more towards technical implications. And so, you know, they're, they're kind of coming at it from, from that side. Um, but certainly, you know, there's also a role for people to play who are more on the wings of that distribution. You know, the really hardcore data scientist who, you know, knows all the latest natural language processing algorithms and can data mine a really large data set and, and scale it up and do all the engineering. Uh, or, you know, the wordsmith who um, really has a, a strong sense of how to tell stories, but knows just enough about uh, data to know, you know, what are the kind of the touch points or how to communicate with the data scientists or the data journalists uh, in order to kind of realize their vision for, for how the story can be told in a compelling way. Um, so I think, I think, I think there's a lot of opportunity um, throughout for, for people coming from different backgrounds and with different interests. And since so much education needs to happen in this area, I just wondered if you could give, um, some advice or, or some resources that you think are useful for people who are curious to learn more. Maybe they have a bit of data skills, but, and they're a writer, but they want, they want to find out more and they want to get more involved with this. Where, where would you start? Um, I know like you could run off and go do a, a degree at Northwestern, but if, if you couldn't do that and you were stuck in the newsroom and you know, what, what would your advice be? Well, obviously, I have to recommend my own book. Um, so, automating the news: how algorithms are rewriting the media. Um, but I, I would also recommend um, the uh, LSE London School of Economics is doing some interesting work in this space. They published a report. Uh, they're sort of creating a, kind of a collaboratory model um, between uh, news organizations that are interested in AI. Um, so, I think that's a good that can be a good resource. Um, uh, I'm not aware of any sort of part-time options, although I was involved uh, in helping to teach uh, a MOOC um, through uh, the UT Austin uh, Knight Center. Uh, it was called um, uh, Algorithms and Automation. Um, and uh, even though the course was offered last year, all of the materials from that course are still online. So like all of the video lectures and I think some of the exercises and stuff 
um, are available. Uh, and uh, that's kind of a nice um, way to ease into the material because it's, you know, probably only an, uh, an hour worth of video material that you could kind of uh, watch to get a feel for some of the topics. And if you did have the time to go off and do a master's or a degree in it, where would you, like, where, who's teaching this now? Who's doing computational journalism in the U.S. and Europe that you know of? Yeah, so um, there are some programs. I mean, certainly at uh, Northwestern, uh, if people are interested in doing research in computational journalism, um, you know, in my, in my lab, I take students through the Technology and Social Behavior PhD program. This is a joint program between communication studies and computer science. Um, so we really kind of straddle both sides of that coin. Uh, but, you know, I have former journalists in my lab um, who are interested in translating their, their um, journalism knowledge uh, into, into that broader space. Is there one thing one huge misconception that you notice that people have about AI and journalism? I think the, the thing that I encounter over and over again, talking to journalists is that they think that AI is going to take their job. And, you know, having researched this for several years now, uh, I just haven't found that to be the case. Like, like it's not sort of borne out by the data. Um, you know, I, what I found is more that AI creates new jobs and new opportunities um, uh, rather than destroying them. Uh, uh, but it's also changing jobs, right? So it's it's changing, you know, what you need to know in order to be an effective journalist. You know, you need to know how to work with data or you need to, you know, uh, have some comfort in learning kind of new types of tools. Uh, but I just haven't seen that it's... Um, that it's uh, destroyed jobs. Typically, AI AI can't do entire jobs. It can usually do like little tasks or pieces of jobs. And so even if AI could come along and do 10% of someone's job, um, that's not going to take away their entire job. It's just going to mean that they have 10% more hours in their job to do other things that they couldn't do before. Um, uh, it's it's very rare that that you find an AI that can sort of like fully substitute for the entirety of a person's like job responsibilities, um, and I just think it's unlikely for that really to ever happen. Just based on what the fundamental limitations of AI are, like given that they they have to have data and it has to be really high quality data, um, uh, and that AI is you know sort of fundamentally flawed in its ability to uh, sort of be dynamic or adjust to a rapidly changing world. Um, and so I, th I think we're just, we're going to need a lot of people around in order to, to um, uh, uh, practice journalism. Hopefully the AI is going to make them more effective and efficient and is going to augment their capabilities. So what's next for AI and news? Um, what's next? Um, you know, I think one thing that I'm pretty excited about is uh, the uh, sort of a new class of technology related to synthetic media. So most people have probably heard of deep fakes, you know, right, automatically generated images and videos um, that are created using uh, machine learning models. Um, but 
fewer people may realize that um, the same type of technology can also be used to generate text. So whether that's uh, news articles or comments or other forms of, of text. And I think it's sort of exciting to think about how synthetic media can be, could be adapted to journalistic requirements. So the current um, uh, version of synthetic media, um, it can create uh, what looks like a news article, what reads like a news article, but which is not factually grounded. It doesn't, it doesn't have sort of a, a basis in, in, uh, in real uh, facts. But sort of the next generation of this technology is going to be um, to have it look and read like a news story, but to actually be grounded in, in real uh, verifiable uh, facts from data. And I think we're still a few years away from that, but I think it is, um, I think it's coming. Uh, maybe in three to five years, we'll, we'll start to see real prototypes that can uh, maybe tackle um, uh, uh, real uh, use cases. It, it's gonna sort of turbocharge automated content production, um, both in positive ways in terms of like um, news organizations being able to like churn out a lot more data-driven stories, but potentially also in negative ways by creating new opportunities for misinformation, uh, which could then um, create opportunities for newsrooms to grow in terms of debunking that information and verifying information. Um, and uh, we're already seeing that to some extent, you know, with the shift to uh, kind of the, the social media beat of needing to be tapped into social media and understand, you know, uh, where are their information operations happening? You know, what's true, what's false, what's verifiable? I think we're going to see um, technology uh, sort of um, uh, create new challenges in that space. But again, that challenge becomes an opportunity for newsrooms who are interested to invest in that space to be able to help the public understand, you know, what's, what's real, what's true, what's not true. Uh, in their um, experience of online uh, media. Well, that was absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much for joining us today on Conversations with Data. Thanks so much for having me. A big thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in today. If you enjoyed this, you can subscribe to our podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. I've been your host, Tara Kelly, and that's all for now. See you next time.